Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on an episode of the All Might Be Edified Discussions on Servant Leadership. I'm really excited to have a wonderful guest with me today, and Vikrant Sharia, and just so excited. He is the CEO of Authors on Mission and has written some wonderful books and some bestsellers. So one of those is The Five-Step Game Plan to Build a Million-Dollar Business, and there's many more which we'll talk about. And so we're going to spend some time just diving into these issues. And so I didn't want to spend too much time dissecting his bio and we'll put some of those notes of his bio and some links to authors on mission and some other links that he thinks are relevant in the show notes. But I just wanted to let you get to know this wonderful avenue of authors on mission and some of the things that they do there and some of the things Vikarant does and dive into those things right away so we don't dive too much time on the bio. So Vikarant, welcome today. So glad to have you. Hey, Keith, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for our conversation today. Me too. So talk to us a little bit about Authors on Mission. What is it that you all do there? Yeah, so for example, if you are a business owner or if you're an entrepreneur or a speaker or an established thought leader and you now are on a stage in your life where you want to write a book and share your message with the world. But the problem is you don't have the time. You don't have, uh, like you're completely busy you can't sit down and write the book. And Authors on Mission can help you solve that problem. We come in the picture. We take your interview. We exactly understand your book idea, your vision, your message, and write the book for you in your own authentic voice. And not only that, we also take care of the editing, designing, publishing, marketing. We make the book number one bestseller. Not only that, we also help you take the book to the next level. We can help you get on so many podcasts to promote your book, brand, and business. We have also recently introduced a new service where we ha- we're helping authors get on TEDx Talk guaranteed. And we also help our clients get so many press and media coverages as well. All of these services that I just mentioned, like it's completely done for you. So it means we only cater those clients like who don't have the time to do all of these things themselves. Right? We are in this business for over 10 years now, have helped more than 600, 700 clients in turning their book ideas into number one bestsellers. That's just amazing. Now, do a lot of these people come to you with their ideas ready or do you have to spend some time helping them pull those ideas out of them? Yes. So actually, most of these people, they have their idea ready. 70, 80% of the people, they are having their idea ready or the message or the story they want to share. They have it ready. Some of them, they also have the book outline ready, but or some of them, they also have started writing a book, but they were stuck. Now they want to complete it. There are also few people who have too many ideas or who are confused that exactly which idea could be the best for his book or her book. In that case, like those 20% audience, like we actually help them find out their why, why exactly they want to write a book, what's the purpose. And once we identify that, and once we brainstorm with the client, it becomes easier for us to identify which of the book ideas could perform the best for and serve their purpose. I really like that idea of really helping people to dial into their why instead of you know, taking that scattered approach of having too many ideas. And I think that that's a a thing that could help a lot of us in so many different organizations just dial into some things that we're, we take on so many different tasks. And that's the reason we're so busy in a lot of our vocations is because we get spread out and we, we see something that we're like, yeah, I can help with that. And then 
you get going and then they're like, oh, I see something else or someone finds something and they're like, oh, yeah, this person's doing really well. They ask someone. And there's that common theme where they say, how do you get something done? You go find the busiest person and you ask them for help because they know that you know they yeah. can get something done. And so you've got a couple of things going with that. You help people organize their their priorities, find their why, and you also help them expand their time by giving them some support. And I think those three principles are just powerful. Now, one of the things as you do that, you said you help them find their authentic voice with extra people. How do you do that with other people? Yeah, so we have a team of hostwriters. We have more than 600, 700 hostwriters in our influence. And what we do is we have created this system that we call it angel writing system. So we call our ghostwriters angel writers, actually. These are hybrid ghostwriters like who go through our training, go through our system, and actually understand exactly how the system works. Basically, the typical ghostwriting, how it works is, if you are the author, if I'm the ghostwriter, maybe I'm going to talk to you for, for a while, or you're going to share with me the book outline, then I'll go and disappear. After three months, I'll come with a manuscript, and most probably you won't like the manuscript because this is not coming from you. This is not coming from your ideas, your message and experience and expertise. It is coming from the co-writer's point of view and point of expertise. Now, when you talk about our system, it is more designed or catered towards you, right? We actually try our best to take more and more interviews to understand your vision. And we start with three or four interview sessions or brainstorming sessions just to identify what's the why. Who is the reader? What's the hook of the book? Or means how the book is going to be different from all the other books on the market in your topic. And once you identify that, then we create the book outline. Once the book outline is ready, and once we have created the basic structure of the book into the introduction, chapter, chapter two, three, four, then we start working chapter by chapter, right? So for example, we, we are working on a chapter one. We're going to take two or three interview sessions. Like our writers are going to be taking two or three interview sessions of yours. They're going to ask you intelligent questions. All of these calls will be recorded. It will also be transcribed. And based on the answers, they will write the chapter. They'll share it, share it with you. You're going to go through that and you're going to provide your feedback exactly how can we improve it. The writer is going to fix those, feed, fix those uh, things that you need to be fixed. And then... Once it is done, and once you're happy with the chapter number one, then we move to the chapter number two. So it's a kind of a very, very collaborative approach. Like it's not that the ghostwriter is going to disappear for three or four months. They will work together with you. You just have to give two or three hours of your time on these calls with the ghostwriter or the angel writer who is going to take your interview and exactly dial in and then write the book chapter by chapter or section by section. And then, of course, you have to just come over there, share their word document with you. See exactly what's going on. You can actually see how the you know, the feedback that you have brought, whether the writer is working on that or not. So it's kind of a very very collaborative approach. One more thing that actually we do really really good job is like how we make sure that your authentic voice is dialed in in your book. And this is the thing that most of the uh, most of our competitors are not doing. Is for example, if you start working with the other companies, most of them actually they tell you, okay, here's a ghostwriter. We don't do that. We, with us, like you will be the one who will be picking your ghostwriter. We we have team, like 
a lot and a lot, like hundreds and hundreds of ghost writers in different industries, different topics, and who have more than 10 years of experience writing books. Based on the form that you have filled out, based on exactly what kind of book you want to write, we will share with you, uh, in the first batch, we'll share with you five or six options, right? Their, their profiles and why they think they are the best fit to work with you. You can go through that. If you want, you can interview them. And if you are, if you don't like any of those people in the in the first batch, you can send batch of another six seven people. So you can interview these people, and then you will decide which other person has having a synergy match, right? So and once you identify that, then of course you start working with us. So it's not like that we will just tell you that this is your ghostwriter. I think this is one of the reason like why our writers have the hundred percent success rate. Because the the client is very comfortable with them, they are comfortable, and then they are trusting that this person will really help me out, really help me get the book done. So that's the reason, like, we do it. So yeah, like, and we also offer unlimited revisions. So until you are happy, we'll keep on revising, keep on revising until you are so happy and so proud of your book. So that's our system in Nursel. Yeah, so many good things going on with that system, and I think it really just models servant leadership in so many aspects. You know, you really meet the individual where they are. You, you find things that work with them. They, there's op- opportunities for them to choose someone that fits their style to, that they can work with. I'm sure there's some opportunities for them to make personality matches as they go through that process. And I, I was actually thinking as you were writing about, you know, other applications for similar techniques in other organizational settings, you know, that obviously you can't take that whole system, but you look at, you know, as you were talking about, Helping people find their why and choosing priorities when they're just in writing, but then also matching people. I think as we look at from a servant leadership standpoint, just how we write our evaluations of people and how we match people with supervisors or we match people with different team members. I think there's some cross applications that we could think about just in the system that Vikrant and his team there at Authors on a Mission have done as we do evaluations in our teams. I think back to a lot of my evaluations in different organizations. And a lot of time, either I had to write my evaluation myself or, and then it was given to someone and they made changes. And then it was just given back to me without a lot of discussion. And obviously it's a totally different type of writing, but it's interesting. The feedback loop that Vikrant's describing is completely different. And I think in a lot of aspects, we could incorporate a feedback loop in many different settings like this writing system that he's describing. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think uh, we don't really incorporate though, uh, this system only in the book writing phase or the client-facing phase, right? Of course, in client-facing phase, like we try to implement it in each and every steps of the process, like they are... The process is very lengthy. It takes six months to nine months to complete the book. Writing, designing, editing, publishing, marketing, right? There are so many sub-steps involved. But we also try to incorporate these things on our team-facing side as well, right? Where I'm very fortunate enough, actually. Uh, and of course, there was so many trials and error happened in the past. But I'm so many, so extremely fortunate that I am having a really, really good team. And I don't call them actually team members only, like, most of them are self-empowered leaders where they work as an individual leader in the organization and they take complete responsibility of that. Like I have seen so many times that there was national politics going on in, in the company, right? Or but for example, if a very urgent 
client email comes, some of my team members, they actually take charge and then start, they respond back. Even on holidays, even on weekends, Saturdays, Sundays as well. I'm always blown away and I feel sometimes so lucky that I was able to build a team like who take charge in who don't see it as someone else's company. They, they see it as their own company. And I have tried my best to make some conscious decisions to make it happen if I look back and connect the dots. And if you if you want, I can also, we can also discuss about those things as well. But yeah, like uh, we also try to incorporate the system in the team-facing side as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. I really appreciate you talking about that. And you know, do you have any specific examples on the team-facing function that you think have worked really well? Yeah, like um, for example, yeah, as I mentioned that so many times, like even if the my team is on leave or even if they are it's national holiday going on, still like they take care of it. Like if I need something very urgently, I message them and then they respond back as soon as possible. So there's so many times that I've seen most of my team members, they are self-empowered. Like let me tell you an incident. I think last week I asked my marketing team, like, hey, are you I think you should also use this to track the entire lead flow thing. And instantly I received an reply on my Slack channel that, hey, we're already doing it. Like, here's the Google Sheet. You can, you can track it on your own. <laughs> I never said this, but they are doing all of these things themselves to keep, or, keep it organized. They're taking all of these action steps themselves to make sure that the entire organization is leading towards success. Because um, that's why, like, somehow, like, I've always, you know, like in servant leadership as well, like, you have to keep the team, keep the people ahead than you, right? So there's this famous book by uh, Simon Sinek as well. Like, I think it is Leaders Eat Lust. And, and there's another book by him, like, Start With Why as well. Like, we were talking about why a few minutes ago. But yeah, like, you always have to think about team member first. And I remember very vividly that a few years ago, like when company was struggling, like when I was struggling personally in my heart, some team was like, I've always tried my best. Like even if the company was a loss and I didn't have money to pay my bills, I always used to pay. I've always, always paid my employees on time. There's never a time where even if they have worked for maybe four or five hours and if they are not working anymore, I always try my best to pay pay them, right? Like, because they have trusted me, they have spent their time, invested their time over here. It's my duty to pay them on time. And uh, so there's small, small things, right? Like uh, also checking with them in case if some kind of emergency happens, right? That's a national thing, a family emergency or anything. I always try my best to stand with them. And I've seen so many times that my people, like they receive better opportunity, better pay in other companies, but they refuse that. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, like I'm, as I mentioned, like I'm very, very lucky. I'm very, very fortunate uh, that it happened. But yeah, like when I connect the dots, I've seen that the things that I have done in the organization, like they they feel that like I have done something for the company, for the team, for them. And that's what they, it's kind of a reciprocity. Like they're also trying to give it back to the company. 
Yeah, some wonderful things there that I'd really like to step into a little bit and and think about. And the first thing that you talked about, I just, well, I guess it was kind of the second thing you talked about first, how people are really, they take ownership in the company. They feel like yeah. it's their own company. And that that's powerful that you've empowered them. And one of the things that right following that, that you talked about was that they responded to you, hey, we're already doing this. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's a powerful concept in its own right. But what I really love is that you created this environment where they could tell the CEO that they're already doing something. Like in some cultures, they would give the CEO credit for that idea. They would just be like, oh, they would wait and say, yeah, they just let you go on thinking that it was your idea. But they said, hey, we're already doing it. Go check it out. And so you've created this environment where they can tell you that it's being done and they don't have to worry about who gets the credit. They can just say, look, it's already up and running. Here, Mm -hmm. quick, go look at it. And that's important because then you don't have to worry about that hesitancy of sharing good ideas or who, exactly. who's going to do something. And so it, can you point your finger on anything that's helped you create that culture within your company? I don't know any specific thing. It could be uh, like, honestly speaking, uh, if a team member joins any company, their primary motivation is money, right? Like whether we say so many things, but of course, the primary motivation is money. The second thing that I see is the culture, like how comfortable they are working over here. Is it too much pressure? Is it fine? Like, are they fine over there? So, but the primary motivation is money, right? They want to serve uh, their family. They want to feed their family. It's, it's their bread, bread and butter. So they want to make sure that they're getting paid on time, right? No matter what, they're getting paid on time. No matter what, they're getting paid for what they deserve. Right. So, and I think I always have made this a priority, right? If they have to get a salary on first, they have to get a salary first. And I should not make it a very big deal, but of course, I've seen so many companies that do it. Like they always, sometimes they delay it. Like, for example, if someone is, uh, the company is in loss, they, they don't pay at all. I've worked with some, like, there are some of the employees who joined in the company, like, uh, they were very, very hesitant to join the company. When I asked them, like, when I was, when I proved, then they told me that the last company they worked for, for one month, they didn't pay it. So I was kind of, I, I was feeling bad for them. But yeah, this is what is happening in the world. Like, uh, you don't rush it. Usually, specifically when the company is in remote, right, virtual company, where anyone can work over there. So people can actually get benefit out of it. Like, you have to work and then they won't pay you. So, this is the first thing. This is the, the one thing that I really focus on. The second is like, I always try my best to give them freedom in their department, right? I don't make it very confined environment that you only have to do this. I always uh, give them freedom to think, innovate, and improve the entire system. And honestly, when someone comes like from any department and comes with a question and I, first of all, usually ask them, hey, what should we do? What do you think we should do? And honestly, most of the times, they have way better ideas than mine because they're doing it like they are in the game. They are doing it every single day, right? Maybe I'm not doing it. I'm just working on so many different things, but I'm not working on that department. Giving them the freedom and giving them that type of environment so that they can think and innovate and then they can do better and improve the system. That's really important because after money, they care about like whether 
the the work they are doing is it getting appreciated or not is people in the company or organization like are they really respecting my time that i'm investing over here are they doing it or not if you can just do this thing right and giving them respect and giving them the freedom like over here like uh, it's a flexible hours like anyone can come come and they can they just have to make sure that like the the amount of work that is assigned to them should be done right it's a flexible hours and everything they can do it on their own pace so um so yeah like we try to do that and i think these are few of the reason i think as of now could be that people over here are very very great like uh, loyal and uh, they're amazing like they're leaders like i'm fortunate enough to build a company where the leaders who are running the company not me that's a wonderful way to phrase that and you know i was thinking that just how much credibility both ways you've built in the company you've built credibility by focusing on ensuring no matter what the people in the company are going to be taken care of and you've made that a priority that they're going to be taken care of monetarily they're going to be taken care of by empowerment they're going to be taken care of by having that action of you trusting them and knowing that they're trusted and then that also builds you know the credibility by showing them that they have your credibility and yeah. so i think there's some power so much power there and you know credibility is so hard to get back when it's lost and so by making that a priority you've just yeah. done such a wonderful job of building the right team and attracting probably the right people from an outsider looking in. I I can say that that seems like a, such a powerful tool that has helped you have some of the success you've had. And yeah. I think that go ahead. And I've also seen in my experience, like if you wanna go fast, then you must go alone. But if you wanna go fast and big, then you need a team. And the team is actually communicating with the client. The team is the one like who is in charge, whether. Before the a stranger become the prospect and the prospect become the client, right? They, in each of the different phases, the team is involved. I am not everywhere. Maybe I'm working on so many different like marketing and branding and everything. But the thing that they're the team is doing, like they're working one on one with each and every like different department, different phases. So uh, the team is the one like who is communicating with the client, and the amount of freedom, the the way I treat my team is going to be reflecting like how the team is going to be treating my clients or our clients so it is very important that what kind of rapport you have built with the team because uh, if you really want to succeed and if you really want to make it big and if you really want to win the trust of the client then first of all you have to win the trust of your team member as well that's what i've seen that's what i've experienced Oh, that's just so powerful. I love the way you said that. If you want to win the trust of the client, you have to win the trust of your... Yeah, definitely. That, that's an absolute truth. Thanks so much for sharing that. Now, I think credibility is super important in what you're doing because you're also you're trying to share with these prospective authors that you can be their authentic voice. I mean, that's you have to have a, a serious level of trust to get that. So you have to have some good credibility going into that. So you've really, you've set the stage for, you know, not only for what we're talking about servant leadership, but to attract some really good clients to show, hey, we can be your voice. We can bring you in. We can help you build out this model, this outline, and we can be a trusted voice for you. And 
Now, with the world in artificial intelligence or AI that we talk about, with a, not a lot of guardrails up right now and a lot of discussion about you know, what are good sources, what are bad sources, how do we make sure we're getting good sources, how do you get the, a good product out in a timely manner using all the tools available and still ensure you have credibility for these authors? Yeah, so when we say AI, like of course, uh, as of now, it is possible for anyone to write a book using AI. But the question is, is it going to be authentic? Is it going to be coming from you? Is it going to be accepted by Amazon in the near future? As of now, of course, you can just simply go on ChatGPT or any other AI platform and somehow write the entire book and then upload it on Amazon. Maybe as of now, Amazon can accept it, but in future, they might be having an algorithm where they will be simply deleting or stopping those books that are AI written. So you have to be very, very careful towards that. When you Google it actually started, has started doing it, like it has started penalizing those blogs or articles that are, that are purely AI-based written. So, um, so you have to be very, very careful. But just because we have this par- these powerful tools, it can actually enhance the writing. It can speedify the entire book writing process. At the same time, it can also help you create the book in your authentic voice. How it can do it? Of course, you, can't, you should not write the entire book using these AI tools, but you can use these to create really great and engaging titles and subtitles, really great description, really amazing book outline chapters and subchapters, right? It can also help you come up with some amazing anecdotes, analogies, right? Uh, that you can use in the book. It can also help you with the research as well. If you are stuck somewhere and if you need creative ideas, you can go over there and you can come up with something from there. Eventually, you need to come up with the original idea. You have the, the main story, the message, the core voice should be coming from you. Otherwise, think about it. Like as of now, there are millions and millions of articles, videos published on the internet on any topic at all that you can imagine on the internet. Why people are going to come on, go on Amazon and pick up your book and buy the book and then read it? Why? It's because of your, because you are unique over there. Your story is unique. Your message is unique. But uh, when ChatGPT is here, like you can't just ramp it up and then simply put it in the book. Then your message is gone. Like your story is not there. People can simply go on ChatGPT for free, right? And Simply type it the the same question and then it can come up with the thing, right? So why they like if eventually they're gonna be reading they're gonna be reading an AI generated text, they can directly go to ChatGPT and come take the answer from there. Why are they gonna be buying the book from you? Or even if somehow they'll be buying the book if you are a really good marketer, they're gonna leave a really bad review. So you should not mess up with your reputation over there. Usually you have to understand that you are not just publishing the book. On Amazon, you're publishing yourself, you're publishing your brand, your image on the Amazon or the internet. And you have to be very, very careful that exactly what type of content that you're writing. So you should not mess around with that. However, ChatGPT or other AI tools can really enhance the writing, can really speed up the process. We have a system like how you can use ChatGPT to complete the book in three to four weeks, right? But at the same time, maintaining your voice, maintaining your authenticity, your unique style, 
And also the, the book won't be AI generated. It would be humanly generated by you. Yeah, such wonderful thoughts and a great pitch for why you should use someone like Vikrant and, and Authors on Mission because they're going to help you make sure your your image, your brand stays intact because it's so easy with limited guardrails in place right now and on these tools to run astray. And you know, it's important, like Vikrant saying, is to make sure you use these tools for the right reasons, not to write the whole book. You know, there's a lot of good uses of AI out there. I, I agree. But using them within the right parameters is, is important. And you know, that's what's important about it is figuring out what those are. And if you don't have those, you know, this market that he's talking about, people that are busy, you're you're probably not gonna have the time to go research what those right parameters are. So I, I think it this this marketing audience that you have, it's perfect to talk to them about, you know, helping them along that line. And so many more out there. I think that, you know, thinking about servant leaders is, you know, as we move into this next information era of using more AI, before we have good guardrails in place is, is thinking about, you know, how you use AI in all the aspects of your life and thinking about just what Vikrant said is, where do you use it? How do you use it? Making sure that you keep your brand in place, whether you're selling or marketing something on Amazon is fine. But if you're presenting something in school, you're presenting something to your bosses, your brand is your brand. So make sure you use these tools for the right reason. If you're focused on servant leadership, you should be definitely focused on who you are as a person because once you've lost credibility, you've lost your chance to be a good servant leader. So some great thoughts I just wanted to to think about and, and post on. So now moving on. So what are some tips and tricks you have for aspiring authors to achieve their bestseller status or how would you work with bestsellers? Yeah. So um, when we say bestseller, like it's not only about the marketing and the promotion and making the book bestseller. I believe that bestseller actually starts with the book itself, right? The book has to be so good that even if you are done with the marketing, it can do the job itself, right? It can maybe go with the word of mouth. It can have a really good number of views that with organic, you can do the, you can get the traffic. And I believe that when it come talk about the steps, there are four steps or you can say four pillars of a really great marketing and making the book bestseller. So the first pillar is product itself, right? And over here, the product is the book. So you have to write a really, really good book in such a way that the reader who's going to be reading the book should go from point A to point B. A is where they're, they're stuck, the problem that they're facing in their life or business. B is where actually they want to go right in their life. What are their dreams and what kind of problem they want to avoid at the point B. So you really have to take them through a journey and make it very, very simplified that anyone like who can go from, uh, like who is stuck at point A can go to point B. So that's the product. The second P or the second pillar is called packaging, right? So you have a really, really good product ready, but how do you package it, right? In such a way that it looks very, very professional. As we were talking about, like you are publishing yourself on the internet, you're publishing your brand on the internet. So you have to be very careful that exactly how you want to, you want other people to portray you. So you have to Package it really carefully. You have to have a really good book cover. You can also do the A-B testing. There's so many platforms out there. Like you can also go to Facebook groups, relevant Facebook groups, and do the A-B testing over there. 
for your book cover. And then you also have to do the interior designing or the book formatting of the book. Once you are done, then you also uh, the author bio, the book cover description, the author picture, all of these combined actually is packaging. So you have to take care of the packaging. Then comes the publishing. Right, publishing is either you can go with a traditional publishing or self-publishing. If you don't have a traditional publishing, that's completely fine. You can go with self-publishing. The end reader doesn't care about who is the publisher, right? You don't go to the bookstore and then get the book and uh, go, hey, who is the publisher? They don't care about it, <laughs> right? They just see the title, subtitle, maybe the the back cover copy, or read a few pages. They see if this really can help me out or not. That's it. That's the only thing. So having a really good publisher, a book, good big name, doesn't serve you. It only, like in my experience, like it only just um, is going to be uh, making you a lot of loss because they are going to be taking a lot of cut, right? 70, 80% of the cut. So I would recommend you to go with self-publishing. Sim- super simple. It also saves you so much time. You can directly go to Amazon. Like kdp.amazon.com or ingramspark.com. Upload all of your files over there. And that's it. Your book is published. So the first was product. The second was packaging. The third was publishing. The fourth is promotion, right? Here comes a promotion. And here you can leverage Amazon ads, BookBub ads, and then Facebook ads to do the paid ads. Then for organic, like you can have really good titles, subtitles, keywords, categories, just to make sure that you get organic traffic. Uh, nowadays, podcast bookings are really, really great way to promote the book. So I would recommend you to also leverage podcast as well. So there's a platform out there called listennotes.com. So simply go over there. I would recommend you to go get a premium plan over there. So once you get it, for example, if the book is on leadership, search leadership. Go on podcast session, you would find tens and thousands of podcasts only on leadership. And if you click on any of the podcasts, you can find the the website, the name of the host, the email of the host, and now you can pitch the pitch yourself, or you can get a VA like who can pitch yourself. We also do this, right? Are completely done for you. So in case if you don't want, don't have the time, or don't know exactly what to do it, how to do it, then you can hire us. But basically, podcast is a really, really great way to promote the book, brand, and business. So these are the four pillars that I see to really have a great marketing and then making the book number one bestseller. Oh, I like it. And uh, I love how you did it in such a way that was easy to digest too. Now, speaking to that, the first one, you know, in a way, simplifying the message, you talked about that in your first one, the product. Do you find that when you work with people, their their product is somewhat hard to digest in the beginning? That's the reason like we try our best to spend most of the time in the initial phase, which is the brainstorming and then creating the book outline. Because, you know, like whenever you are creating, creating any plan, right, a, a business plan or a book plan or a book outline, the exactly how do you present that how, where you're going to go and how you're going to structure the entire content is very, very important. You could be having so many ideas and so many powerful ideas, but if you are, if you don't know how to present it in such a way that it becomes easy or digestible for the reader, then it's, it's a waste of, waste of time for them, waste of time for you. So that's why our expertise in actually taking your ideas, stories, and message, and experience, and expertise into in such a way that it becomes very easy for the reader to understand. Now, and you know, like most of the people, they are very good at writing emails and articles in blogs, but writing a good book is completely different skill set. 
And we have a team of writers who have written dozens of books, have more than 10 years of experience in book writing space. So that's why like, we leverage them as we have done it hundreds and hundreds of times. And then they actually do this for you. Yeah, I love it. And I've asked that question because I find even different organizational settings, sometimes people's emails or their written communication is somewhat hard to digest. And I think that a lot of people could benefit from thinking about the message that you just shared about sitting down and thinking about the message before you send it. And and Mm -hmm. instead of thinking about what you're trying to say, think about how it's going to be received. And so that's my challenge for this week's episode is spend time this week thinking about your messaging and thinking about how it's going to be received more than what you're trying to say. So every time you draft an email, whether you have a whole book idea or if you just have a big why, like Vikrant saying, and you you really want to, maybe you think you have a book in your mind, think about how you would actually message that book and how it would be received and build an outline for it. You think about it and Reach out to authors on a mission. Maybe submit some ideas to them. See what see what comes back. So there, there's an opportunity there for him to work with you, and and we'll have some links in the show notes. But just sit, spend some time thinking about your messaging and how it is received, and see how that changes your communication model. All right. So walk us briefly through your five step game plan to build a million million dollar business by writing a, a best selling book. Yeah. So. Uh... When you say uh, buy a best-selling book, right? So let me break it down. So once you have written the book, right? So there are five ways you can promote the book to make money. So one is directly through the book sales, right? Where you can make royalties from the book. But uh, in my experience, I've seen like after publishing hundreds and thousands of books and also working with so many different uh, authors, I've seen that most of the authors don't make big money in the front end. The real money is in the back end, right? So of course you can, your goal is to get more and more sales, but your main primary uh, way it should be that to make money in the back end. So the, the first way that you can make, like apart from the book sales is, uh, the second is creating a course around a book, right? We have got so many authors like who do it, uh, they have a book for $9.99, like $9.99. But they have a course designed around the book that goes for $4.99 or $9.99, right? And then we'll it. Of course, it becomes very easy for you to scale it. So that's one thing. The second, the third thing that you can do, like so the book sales, uh, then the course, the third thing that you can do is a coaching program, right? Where you can actually have a one-on-one coaching so around the, the or the consultation, right? The so the fourth thing is you can do speaking gigs as well around web. That's a really really big opportunity because I've seen that uh, people like who are uh, already a best-selling author, it becomes very easy for you to get on stage, right? These even organizing companies like they want to have authors or best-selling authors on the shows. So, uh, um, of course, there's so many, there's a completely different communication of how to actually reach out to these people and everything. But you can, what some of my clients, they do is uh, they get a hardcover book, a very, very clean looking book, and they have a handwritten note inside the book, and then they ship it to the 
top hundred events that that are getting going to happen in the next three or four months, right? And in the note, note they actually mentioned that like, hey, I know that you are doing this. Like, I can help you out with this. This is my phone number. So it becomes really, really great way that you are not only reaching out to them, you also reaching out in such a different way, right? So that's the fourth thing that was just recently. The fifth is like done for you service. So you can also offer services in some way around that. Uh, and the done for you service, it could be anything. It could be a software, it could be a, a service, it could be anything that is associated with your goal, right? So yeah, these are five ways like you can actually build and monetize your book. So one of my clients last month, I was chatting with her. So she is in the DEI space, right? She wrote a book about DEI, diversity, and inclusion. And she um, offers co- like consultation to her uh, clients. And one consultation actually cost $50,000 for, for these corporate companies. So just by using her book, she was able to sell three consultation gifts in one month and two uh, speaking gifts uh, in just one month. So totally it was, I think, uh, $170,000, $180,000 in just one month, pure directly from the book, right? So in one month, if they can do it, and if you do it every month, like you can easily make $1 million. So um, that's, that should be the plan, right? You should go high ticket. And of course, with the book, you can go with that. Uh, and all you do is just know the number and understand how many CLS you have to make in order to make one million dollar. I like how you broke it down into some pretty small numbers too, to, with the book sales and the yeah. course sales. It really doesn't take a lot. And you know, it's interesting. Some people might think, you know, we're talking about servant leadership and, you know, why are you trying to market yourself and sell some courses? But the reality is, is you have to pay the bills for your family. You have to pay some certain things. And why not provide an opportunity if you have a really good idea that helps other people take care of other people, you know, get out there and, and sell it, do those things and find ways to help other people do the same thing and to chase their dreams and to chase their passions. Just as Vikrant and his team have done, they've created this this opportunity for many people to write books, to go out, to create courses, to create speaking gigs, to get out and serve the public, to serve other people. And and he's, on top of that, he's created this environment where he's got a team focused on credibility, focused on empowerment, focused on real servant leadership inside and outside of his team. So you know, before you get cynical and think about it's just about making money, there's opportunities within this environment to really take servant leadership to a whole nother level. So just a real beautiful model. And I'm super excited to have had Vikrant on today to talk about it. So any closing thoughts to close us out on this episode today? Yeah. So um, when you say leadership, like I see it as, uh, again, for me, it is all about how do you serve the people around you? And you start with your family, right? You start with your wife, your, your parents, your, your kids. But then of course you can expand it. You can go with like the colleagues that you work with on the daily basis, the friends, the family, like the relatives, and then the team members. And then again, you can expand it like the clients that you work with and the other people associated with those clients. For example, for us, whenever we work with our clients, like it's, we see it as that we are not only helping one client, we are also helping the readers who are going to be reading 
the book of that client, and there could be thousands of readers. So it's kind of a snowball effect that we are doing. Like we are not, and we always enjoy those testimonials or the reviews that the clients receive on their book. That how their readers actually were able to change their life or were able to make their life better using their book, and that makes us so much joy. That the thing that we are doing is not just unidirectional; it is multidirectional. That like we are also helping so many people. Just by writing one book, so in somehow, like if you can find it out that how the thing that you are doing can serve more and more people, not only your family and kids. Of course, that is very very important. You should start from there. Charity starts from your um, your home. So, but once you are done, then of course you should also think big. And once you are done with that as well, then again you have to take it to the next level. And that's what leadership is all about. So, uh, so this is what uh, I see leadership as, right? Like, where you are trying to, like, for us, like, we are trying to change the world one book at a time. Very well said and such a beautiful sentiment. And I love closing that way because I know so many people focused on servant leadership have a story to tell and they're just hesitant to do so because they're out every day serving others. So find time, find the resources like authors on mission to help tell your story so that more and more people can be served one book at a time and have a wonderful day. And thanks for joining us on another episode of that all might be edified discussions on servant leadership. 